0: into the house of the Lord to sing his praise. You can get your hands together with us this morning and let's sing this out.
1: Good morning, Cypress Bible Church. Excited that you're here this morning to worship our Lord and our King, Jesus Christ. Uh, If you're visiting with us this morning, uh, there's a QR code on the back of the pew. We encourage you to take a picture of that. Uh, We'll have a record of your your being here, and if there's anything we can do to connect with you and help you connect to Cypress Bible Church, uh, we would love to help you to do that. Uh, As a church, we gather in life-changing worship. We recognize uh, that God has told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And so we do that. We come together to worship Him. But we also recognize that we need to connect. Uh, And so we gather together in groups. And we want to grow spiritually and stir each other up. And uh, so we encourage everyone to be a part of a small group. Uh, And we also go in life-changing mission. And so we have an opportunity to be God's church in this crazy world that we live in. But God is good, amen? So we have some opportunities as a church. Uh, We want to keep our summer programming for children going this summer. And so we need 26 adult volunteers. And so from birth to fifth grade, uh, we need some workers. And so if if you're interested in that, you think maybe God might be calling you to help in some of those areas, uh, stop at one of the kiosks and and just find out some more information on how you can do that. Uh, As you've come in, you should have received one of these. So we've got our summer VBS coming up. And so that gives you information how to register your kids, uh, how to sign up to be a volunteer, and how to get your VBS t-shirt. Everyone needs one, right. All right. That's how you do it. Um, So this Saturday is Second Saturday, and I hope that everybody knows what that means. Uh, Every Second Saturday as a church, we uh, gather here in the chapel at 10 o'clock. And for a couple hours, we go out and we serve our community. Uh, There are many opportunities for you to get involved in using your gifts and talents, uh, to be the hands and feet of Christ in our community, and to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Not everything we do is evangelism, but everything we do, we want to lead to Jesus. We want... We want this community to see and know that we love Jesus and Jesus loves them. So we want them to have an encounter through the gospel through our church. So please come this Saturday and and be a part of that. Uh, So this last week we just returned from South Africa and God did some amazing things. Uh, God is at work in the world, and he is certainly uh, at work in South Africa. The, the harvest is plentiful. We were so encouraged by our, our leaders there, uh, several indigenous pastors that we've partnered with. Uh, they've been doing the work. Uh, Our goal is to reach Motherwell, 500,000 people, uh, estimated to be a million in not too long because they're growing so rapidly, Uh, but they're already boldly proclaiming the gospel and starting groups, and we got to partner with them, uh, help equip them with strategies and tools to be more effective. Uh, We had a baking team that helped them to think about how we bring financial stability into the community, Worked with preschool workers. The, the opportunities for the future of our partnership there is just amazing. Uh, so prepare yourselves for f- the future. We're going to go back to South Africa and we want you to be a part of it. We want our church to be engaged to see that there's no place left in South Africa where the gospel is not being proclaimed, disciples made, and churches planted, and that that would spill over to all of Africa and to the nations. And so this Thursday, my wife and I also leave for Poland. Um, We are going to go work with Polish pastors and Ukrainian pastors uh, to help equip them with some tools on how do you deal with the the tragedy of what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, There's over 2.5 million refugees out of Ukraine that have filtered through Poland. And, and some of those have filtered out to other places and are staying with family, but some of them are still in country trying to figure out what's going on. And so uh, we've got a, a training we call Trauma Healing Training, and it's helped helping people to deal with the, the trauma that they're experiencing and ultimately leading them to the good news of Jesus, the, the only hope that any of us have. And so I uh, appreciate your prayers for that. Uh, as we come back... We're going we're gonna to be planning a Sunday uh, where we'll give testimonies um, for what happened in South Africa and what happened in Poland, uh, working with Ukrainian refugees. We'll be planning a lunch uh, in a couple weeks uh, when we get back. So appreciate your prayers uh, for all that. Amen.
0: And I want to uh, take a moment here because this is something that we do at this church is commission folks. And Lisa, would you come up here? Normally, Pastor Tony is up here commissioning groups to go, but he is the group going, he and his wife. And so we wanna take a moment. It's important to pray a prayer of blessing over him, a prayer of commissioning. And uh, this is something that is very biblical that God has uh, set up for us to do. So if you are comfortable, uh, one of the ways that you can bless is by laying on of hands, which I will do that. But if you are comfortable and you want to extend your hands out in prayer and agreeance, then let's uh, lead this time in prayer together. Father God, thank you so much for what you have done already in South Africa. Lord, uh, I know we're gonna hear more about the testimonies of that in a few weeks at this wonderful lunch. But God, I praise you uh, for being there and having soft, Hearts to receive the message of the gospel, learning practical and real needs that are met, that can produce gospel conversations. Lord, I'm so grateful uh, that you have given so many people skills, talents, abilities, and we can use them all over the world to proclaim your good news as we build relationships. And I know that's what's on Pastor Tony Hart, Tony's heart uh, for this ministry. So, God, I pray that you continue to uh, bless the work in South Africa that is there because it continues even after the team is left. Uh, but Lord, we praise you for what you did there. And Lord, we wanna pray a a prayer of commissioning, a prayer of blessing on the trip to come to Poland. God, would you open doors that may even seem to be closed that we can't get into, but would you open those opportunities uh, so that this lovely couple can go and share the message of Christ, can look for opportunities in the future with other groups that come. Uh, Lord, whatever you wanna do on this trip, we want to give this over to you and pray that you give them favor, Give them uh, wisdom and discernment as they're uh, speaking to authorities and all of that they need to to figure out, uh, Lord, what the next steps are. And Lord, I just pray that you'd bless the trip. And uh, Lord, we'd celebrate the fruit here in a couple of weeks. God, thank you for this time. And Lord, we lay this trip in your hands. It's in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you Can y'all thank them for going? Bless the Lord. And church, we're going to continue to worship. I want to invite you to stand together now and let's sing to the Lord. can be seated as we continue in worship. Well, church, it is Mother's Day, so we want to say a happy Mother's Day to all those here. You either are a mother or you have a mother, so you can relate in some way. Uh, And so we are grateful for that, but I also know that this day can bring about a lot of different emotions. Um, We can have emotions of joy and excitement and emotions of, man, my mom is here, or I am a mom, but there can also be those times of of sadness, of sorrow. Maybe you lost your mom or maybe you're wanting to be a mom and you're not a mom yet. and You're maybe having some complications with that. I just wanna encourage you today, wherever you are in that journey, that God is, again, right there beside you, right there with you. And if you're going through a time of grieving or sorrow or hurt or questions and confusion, I invite you to take those to God. He cares so deeply about you. In just a moment, we're gonna sing a song And the title of the song is called Same God. And the beauty of this song that I wanna pull out is that it just talks about who God was in different Bible characters' lives, how he was faithful, and he's the same God back then that he is right now. Nothing has changed about our God. He is still loving, kind, gracious, merciful, near to the brokenhearted, can save the crushed in spirit. This is the God that we worship. And he is right with you right now as believers, amen. Holy Spirit lives right in here inside of us. And so I just wanna invite you as I read this scripture passage over you, it's Isaiah 41 10, a very familiar verse. Would you look inside your heart and maybe there's a time where you need to remind yourself of some of the truth in this, because this truth, although written a long time ago, is so pertinent and relevant and true still today. It says this, do not fear, for I am with you, do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. That God will strengthen us, he will hold on to us, he's near to us. This is a beautiful picture of the intimacy that we can have with Christ. This amazing, grand, awesome, beautiful, sometimes feels like out of reach God, leans down. And he's close and intimate and personal in each one of our stories. And really, that's what this song is about. So I want to teach you the chorus to this song. And as you pick up on it, would you sing along with us? It sounds like this.
2: Oh, God, my God, I need you. Oh, God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh, rock, oh, rock of ages,
0: I'm standing would you stand together and let's sing that out
2: oh God my God I need you
0: oh God my was faithful to them so let's learn this together you sing it out as you catch it God you answered prayers back then you answer prayers right now you are the same God you are the same God you were provided spirit in this place Lord would you do what you need to do in each of our hearts we open our hearts up to you, we open our minds up to you Lord you see us for all that we are and yet you still love us and you are here for us and Lord we are so grateful we offer the highest praise for a God who loves us thank you for loving us no matter what in Jesus name we pray Amen. You can be seated.
3: We continue our study in the book of Acts, and it is all too very easy to think that the God in the book of Acts changed, and he's not the same God now. We just instructed one another. We were singing and teaching one another that he is the same God for us now. Praise God for that. He's the same Savior now. Well, we have our, our graphic. I know that there's SpaceX and other more modern uh, ventures into space. But um, we're using the space shuttle as our graphic. And uh, it's the the force of gravity that creates those 4.5 million pounds. Last week we discussed how, what's the fuel we need to get off the ground uh, and what's the gas mileage for those solid rocket boosters that are helping get uh, a a rocket off the ground to get lift off. Um, Now we're asking ourselves, so once there's lift off, what speed do we need to obtain uh, in order to evade or escape the, the gravitational force of planet Earth. And as I've been into space trivia these last three weeks, I'll continue and then you're done with me, okay? Um how fast does a rocket have to travel to get into space? This really depends on what you mean by into space. If you just want to get into orbit around the Earth, you need to reach speeds of at least four point nine miles or about seventeen thousand six hundred miles per hour. No matter how my wife complains about my driving, I've never reached that that speed yet. If you want to get completely, uh, to completely escape your gravity and travel to the moon or other planet, um, though you need to be going even faster, a speed of at least seven miles per second or about 25,000 miles per hour. Did you hear that? For every mission that seeks to explore space beyond our own orbit, there is a need to escape the gravitational pull that planet Earth exerts upon it. Well, we've been studying the launch of God's people, the church, and the Holy Spirit's dispatching of the witnesses of Jesus, first in Jerusalem, later, on, later chapters we'll discuss in Judea and Samaria, and then later parts of the book, if we get to those before we have a new pastor, um, they will take us to the ends of the earth. Um, and so we're discussing how does that mission escape the downward gravitational pull of forces that will come against it. Um, in Acts 2 and chapter 3, there's a very similar pattern of Events, because today we're supposed to try, we're going to try and cover chapters three and four uh, we're going to just kind of speed our way at not at four point five miles a second, but we're going to speed our way through Acts chapter three um, there's a miracle in both both passages in chapter three. Peter and John incline, encounter a man lame from his birth uh, at the gate to the temple appealing for help and uh, begging for alms. Um, at that event, Peter looks at the man and says, Look at me. Uh, I don't have silver and gold. What I do have of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He reaches up and the man not only stands, but he walks and then he begins leaping like LeBron James. He is completely, fully healed in a moment in time in the name of Jesus. Uh, obviously, a crowd gathers and they're wondering, they're astonished, they're amazed. What in the world has happened? We've seen this man all along. Now, what, how, how do we what do we make of this? Uh, Peter, seizing upon the opportunity as he has now become wont to do—that wasn't always his personality—he addresses the crowd. First of all, he says, "Look, we didn't heal this man. Why are you looking at us? This didn't come from us. In fact, this came in the name of Jesus by faith. In Jesus' name, this man stands before you healed." Uh, and then he doesn't escape or doesn't avoid an opportunity to make sure and pin. Their sin upon them. You killed Jesus. Notice these verses um, in chapter 3. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered up. You turned him in. And who you denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. Whom you disowned, the holy righteous one, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you put to death the prince of life. What an irony. So he makes sure they know they're guilty of sin before the almighty God and uh, against his anointed Messiah. But he says, as he did in chapter 2, God raised him to, to life. That was your, the human response to Jesus was to reject him and kill him. The God word response was to raise him to life again. Not only that, but to glorify him. And God planned this for good so that everyone might receive life in Jesus' name. And so he calls for repentance that they might be forgiven. In chapter 2, 3,000 believed after Peter's very first sermon. I don't remember and I don't really particularly want to remember my first sermon. Sometimes I don't want to remember my last, but uh, Peter had outstanding results on his very first. Uh, We read in chapter 4 that the number of men came to be 5,000. If we add Men uh, I had women and children uh, and uh, to all of that. Then the number of believers may have risen to 10,000 there in Jerusalem. And the flight seems to be going well. The mission is going flawlessly until this. Chapter 2, they were enjoying favor with all the people. In chapter 4, we're going to read, They were arrested, jailed, interrogated, and threatened. So the force of gravity from official high powers is going to try and silence them, trying to stall or stymie the mission and let gravity pull them back down to Earth, if possible, to cause them to have to abort this mission altogether. It's going to get worse in the book of Acts, by the way, but this is what we this is our first encounter with the force of gravity. And so the question for us becomes this. What will sustain the believers in the book of Acts to, to stay on mission for Jesus? And the question for ourselves is, what will be our source of boldness to help us continue on mission when the going gets very, very tough? It's, it can be tough in our society. Um, societal pressures of values being promulgated by academia, by media, by cancel culture, lots of things um, come against biblical values and the proclamation of Jesus' name in our society here and now. You face it at your work, on your campuses, in various places. Um, others face it in a more severe way. Um, I read this from a, a mission periodical lately. <clears throat> on Easter weekend, the police raided a Central Asian house church <clears throat> where over 100 believers gathered with their families for a resurrection celebration. Imagine that. While we were here on Easter Sunday, this was happening in Central Asia. Um, in the end, Pastor N and his family were arrested and hauled off to the police station. Here are the details. Around 9.30 to 10 p.m. that night, not our usual meeting time, but it was theirs, perhaps for reason, more than 20 armed police officers stormed the property from the back of the house, brandishing cameras. They broke into the room where the people were worshiping. The police were visibly hostile and angry, and the commander of the group was yelling that everyone needs to be handcuffed, arrested, and put on the bus. Pastor N boldly stood up. He protested strongly to the police commander, What you're doing is wrong. These are God's people, and you are persecuting them and going against God. You have to fear God. As you see, these are innocent people. Some are with small children, some pregnant children, young. Others are elderly. Why do you want to arrest them and take them to the police station? Release them. You can take me, arrest me, but you have mercy on them so that one day God will also have mercy and grace over you and your family and your children. The words startled the commander. They shocked him so much that he changed his plan to arrest everyone, miraculously, the commander decided to release everyone in the church, all but the pastor and his family. Before the people were released, the commander ordered that each person in the room make a videotaped, recorded statement. What would you say, if called upon to make a statement that would be taped and be presented to the judicial authorities of the city? Under that threat, knowing the potential consequences, what would you say? What would I say? Would I back down? How are the people of God, as our question for before us today, how are the people to respond, to stay bold, to stay on mission, to keep proclaiming the name of Jesus when the going gets very tough? Let's read what happened in chapter 4. As Peter was preaching... As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people. That's supposed to be what the priests do, not these guys. They were teaching the people and they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The very one they murdered, now they're talking his name all about town and they're proclaiming that he has risen from the dead. And they laid hands on them. And put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. Too late to get the court together. And so they jailed them. We don't know whether they jailed the man who had been healed as well. Later on, he's going to appear in the court in this very passage. Uh, it's possible because he was part of the disturbance of the peace that he also was put in jail with Peter and John. I imagine they had a good discipleship moment, didn't they? Um, but many of or that's by the way, that's the religious leader's response. Verse 4, the Holy Spirit's also at work in others. But many of those who had heard their message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000, perhaps growing the church, as we've said, to as many as 10,000. Before we ask, how do we maintain courage? How do we continue to be bold in proclaiming the name of Christ? We need, in the face of threat, we need to realize that Jesus has told us we are going times. It is a fact And Jesus had prepared his disciples. In Luke, the very same author who wrote Acts, Jesus said to his disciples, before all these things, he's talking about the end times, before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. Now, Jesus told them, this is going to be, this is the way it's going to be. And so we should not be surprised when we encounter resistance and opposition and intimidation as the disciples were prepared by Jesus as well. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. They got the whole 70 members of the Sanhedrin court, the Supreme Court of Israel, along with the chief priest, 71, who is the presiding officer. Uh, And the names are given there, Caiaphas, who are, I'm sorry, Annas, who is called the high priest. He has been deposed, but still has high influence. His son-in-law Caiaphas is now the priest. John Alexander, all who were of high priestly descent. In other words, you've got kind of a combination of the mafia and Congress. I realize some people don't make much of a distinction there. Uh, But these are the people who have authority to intimidate, and they have the official power to make laws and to enforce those laws. Um, and so all of those people gathered together. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire. Can you picture the scene? <laughs> Here's two former fishermen looking at this august gathering of high, high priestly caste and the most influential people in all of Israel. And they asked this question, By what power and in what name have you done this? You could come and see them gesturing at this healed man. Is it, To them, the action of kindness to meet the desperate need of someone who, who needs to be healed is just a this. Tell us, by what power, what authority have you done this? They asked the same question of Jesus in his last week of life. And Peter and John know what they did to Jesus just two months ago, less than that. And they know it could happen to them as well. But Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, notice the respect and the firmness at the same time. Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, he's defining this for them. what do we do? Well, we did a good deed. If we're on trial for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, then he looks at all of them. Let it be known to all of you and further than you, all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, he gives his full name and location by that name whom you crucified. He doesn't (laughs) doesn't mince words with them either. He's going to pin that on them whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. They're always witnesses of the resurrection by this name. This man stands before you in good health. How are we to resist the threats that will come against us? How do we stay bold in the midst of intimidation? First of all, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as was Peter. You'll notice that other reference up there, chapter, verse 31 of chapter 4. We will reference that later. Um, I want to read to you what uh, Chuck Swindoll says about the, whole, the filling of the Holy Spirit in this instance. He says this, Peter... Uh, Peter already had received the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's Pentecost, um, but his, he, God's indwelling presence. The Spirit didn't leave and then return on this occasion. This time it's different. To be filled with something means to be overtaken and then controlled by it. You can be filled with emotion, meaning it exerts a strong, almost overwhelming influence. That happens to me when we sing, sometimes I've just, I, I can't sing because I'm weeping over the songs we're singing. Um, you can be filled with knowledge, which guides your decisions. You can be filled with wisdom, which informs your values. Paul warned believers not to be filled with alcohol, which takes control of the mind, robbing it of judgment. He called instead for us believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit, like Peter, that is controlled by the Holy Spirit in an especially profound way. We do that by submitting to the Holy Spirit's influence, yielding control to him. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit as he stood before the high court, seeking to intimidate him into silence. We need to walk with the Holy Spirit, be yielded to him, and asking him daily, fill us for those particular moments when we need to rise up in the name of Jesus to proclaim him. And so that's our first challenge, if we are to be bold. Notice what happens. Before all these things, Jesus had told them, by the way, you're going to get this help when you go before the rulers. Before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute, delivering you to synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my sake. That's what he told them. I'm warning you, you're going to face persecution. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. (laughs) Peter seems to remember that, doesn't he? Oh, I got a chance here. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves, for I, Jesus speaking, I will give you utterance and wisdom. I'll help you speak, and I'll make you eloquent when it's needed. Jesus himself promises to be with us when we are filled with him, which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. There stands Peter with Jesus by his side. Jesus promises he will be with us. We sang that this morning. He's the same God now. Furthermore, in Luke 12, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you're to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Friends, If we are filled with the Spirit, Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy Spirit of God, will be with us and will inform us how are we to respond under intense pressure. That is a beautiful thing, and it's a promise we have from Jesus himself. Furthermore, if we are to stand up under pressure and to find courage to proclaim the gospel, we will need and want the confidence of a changed life. Think about Peter. Just Well, let's look at a few scriptures first before we go on. Um, we've read the first part of it. Let's go down to verse 11. Um, just to say, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. 11. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which became the chief cornerstone. Just using this av- av- our analogy of a building stone. Have some of you ever sought to, like, create a larger garden right up next to your house, and you start to dig up the sod, which is terrible work, especially in these temperatures. Uh, And as you get underneath the sod, you encounter bricks, bricks that were meant supposedly to be used on your house, but the builders said, that one; just tossed it aside. We don't need that. And here you find a perfectly good brick, but they didn't want it. Jesus was the perfectly good building stone rejected by the authorities of Israel. We don't need him. Let's get rid of him. Let's bury him. And God took that very same stone and made him, some of your versions will say the cornerstone, others will say the capstone. Either the cornerstone, which is the key interlocking point at the foundation, or the capstone, which says, man, this this building's complete. That is our Jesus, rejected by the builders, honored by God. And then Peter goes on to say, And there is so salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. That is Peter in his boldness. I wish we could have him on our TVs and press the reverse button and go back. Actually, let's go back this way. You read left to right. Let's go back in his life and find him 60-something days ago. There he is, a monk maybe on the very last night, I've forgotten the chronology, saying to Jesus, Jesus, all these other wimps, they might run away from you and leave you. (laughs) Not me. You can count on me. Even if I have to die I'm sticking with you. You and I are like this. We're tight. We're buds. And I will follow you to the very death. And Then on the night before Jesus is crucified, there's Peter cussing out a servant girl who dares to say, you, 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 you're one of those guys that was with Jesus, right? Ah. And he lets some foul language fly at her. He's denying the Lord. Now flash to the upper room. Peter stands up and says, we need to reconstitute the 12." We're lacking one. Judas is no longer among us. He, doesn't, he never really was. And then Acts chapter 2. He stands up when everyone is given the gift of languages that they never learned. And they're speaking them eloquently. He, say, he explains the miracle and then calls for repentance. And now here he is in the court. Standing up for Jesus. Under great threat of the very people who sentenced Jesus to death. Notice what this verse says. This is talking about the high priest, verse 13. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, and they understood, they knew their resume, that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. What a phenomenally changed life Peter has on his resume. They were they were. Uh, Un, they stood, they were uneducated and untrained. That doesn't mean they were illiterate. They had learned to read in the synagogue. They knew the scriptures on that level. But they had not studied the law like the experts and not priests and the experts in the law. They hadn't been trained in that way. And they're just common guys. They're just fishermen. But here they are, reasoning from the scriptures in powerful, influential ways. They understood they'd been with Jesus. I'm a fan of the, the series called The Chosen. Um, and in the first two episodes, Mary Magdalene is healed from her demon oppression and possession. Second episode, she's giving her testimony to Nicodemus. That's how they've arranged the story. And she says this beautiful testimony. I once was one way, but now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between, was him. I once was one way, but now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. She doesn't even know Jesus' name at that point in the drama. How many of our friends at our high school reunion, our college reunions, our family reunions, people who knew us back when, look at us and say, man, you used to be one way. You're completely different. What happened? What happened? That's Peter. He stands in that courtroom knowing that God has changed his life, knowing his encounter with the very master of the universe in human flesh, crucified and risen and now glorified. That one has changed my life. And I will speak about him in any place, under any threat, to the day I die. (laughs) May people say of us, may people say of us, (laughs) I can tell you've been with Jesus. Not, I see you got your opinions. (laughs) Not, yeah, you convinced me with that argument. (laughs) I can see you've been with Jesus. Oh, may people say that of us, filled with the Holy Spirit, the confidence of a Jesus-changed life. Furthermore, having a life and ministry permeated by prayer. If we're going to go back in the Book of Acts to the beginning and just trace it through, uh, through up, up to today's text, notice how the connection there—the connection there is exists between concerted prayer. And people coming to know Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, apostles and others, perhaps 120 disciples, with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Not they had a few prayer groups. They were devoting themselves to prayer. What's the result? Acts 2.41. They were added that day about 3,000 souls. Acts 2.42, the earliest gatherings of the people who would come to be called the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread, it should say, and to the prayers. This is the early church devoting themselves to prayer, 247. And the Lord added to their number daily people who were being saved. Chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John, in this incident, were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They were going there to pray, and in chapter 4, verse 4, many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. We're going to notice this passage later, but when they leave the court, uh, they go to the, gather with God's people, and when God's people hear it, they lifted their voices together to God. What follows is in quotations. You almost get the impression that everybody prayed the same thing, or one person prayed it, and everybody said, you betcha, I'm with you, amen, go for it but they lifted up their voices in one accord together to God. And then at the end of that prayer, when they had prayed, they were all filled with the Holy spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. If God's going to use our VBS on the strength of our prayers, what's going to happen? If God's going to change our street in our neighborhood And it depends on the strength and fervency of our prayers. Who's going to be reached? If God is going to do something in Poland or South Africa or in my blessed part of the world, southern Russia, or anywhere else, if God's going to do something and it depends on the fervency of my prayers. Now, I realize, I realize, I'm I'm no heretic, at least I don't try to be, um, that God is the one who works. But he uses us, he uses people. And he uses our prayers. He answers what we appeal to. We've sung that this morning. He used to answer prayers back then. He answers prayers now. If God is going to work, and the extent to which he works depends on how we pray, what will God be doing? That's, that's a powerful incentive for us to be praying. So, in the next verses kind of conclude the court session. Verses... Um, 16 verse 14 i'm sorry and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them in other words he's in the court right there he's exhibit a for the defense Uh, seeing the man who had been healed standing with them they had nothing to say but when they had ordered them to go outside of the court they began to confer with one another saying what do we do with these guys for the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place to them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. It's all over YouTube and Facebook and TikTok. It, man, we can't, we can't like say this didn't happen. Everybody already knows. And we cannot deny it. But, verse 17, in order that it may not spread any further among the people, let us warn these guys to speak no more to any man in his name the high priests have appointed themselves the disinformation management board and they're going to shut this down if they can. And when they had summoned Peter and John, them they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter and John answered and said to them, Look, whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. If we should do what you say and not what God says, you figure that out, guys. But as for us, we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. And when they had threatened them further, they've given the morning and i think now they're them the potential consequences and boy in chapters to come are the consequences gonna fall on them they threaten them with further consequences they let them go finding no basis <laughs> on which they might punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying god for what had happened a, a cool miracle has happened an unexplainable wonderful good thing For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And when Peter and John had been released, 23, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders said to them. And when the others heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord, and they said, O Lord God, it is you who make heaven and earth and sea and everything in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth have taken their stand and the rulers are gathered together against the Lord and against his chosen, his Christ, his anointed. For truly, Lord, you know, in this very city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you did anoint both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. They've, They've indicted them all to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to come. It was your plan, we know. Now, Lord, in the face of these threats, now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all boldness, with all confidence, while do you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We find boldness when we center our life, our words, our actions, and our message centrally on the very name of Jesus Christ and him alone. Just going to rush through some verses that we've read thus far in these first four chapters. Names of Jesus used uh, in the text. In chapter 3, verse 6, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In chapter 3, verse 13, God's servant, Jesus, 314, the holy and righteous one, 315, the prince or author of life, 318, God's Messiah, his anointed one, uh, 322, 24, the foretold prophet, the ultimate prophet who is to come, 411, the rejected stone, now the very cornerstone, capstone, all told, all of these names sum up who Jesus is, Jesus is not just The name that brings healing, nor the name only that brings forgiveness of sin. He is the only, positively unique, one-of-a-kind, exclusive, sole source of salvation for the whole human race. Look everywhere under heaven you can. There is no other. No one possesses Jesus' qualifications. And no one else wears his name tag. That is the Jesus whom Peter will stand for and will not shut up about. He will not be silenced. The beautiful, wonderful, powerful name of Jesus. Let's just go through these. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong. And when they had set them in the midst of them, they inquired, by what name do you do this? Let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you well. And there's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. But so that it will spread, not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Let's go to the next one. And now, Lord, verse 29, take note of their threats and grant your bondservants may speak your word with your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It is the name of Jesus not our preferred economic policy, not our political party, not our various opinions. It is the name of Jesus on which we stand or fall and to which we give ourselves our allegiance. And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken. (laughs) That was a prayer of an unshakable, unintimidated, unsilenceable people of God in the face of severe threat. Notice what they ask for. They ask not for relief from threat or danger, not for the defeat or overthrow of the religious high court. They ask for continued boldness to declare the message of Jesus. That is the prayer of an unshakable, unsilenceable, unintimidated people in the face of severe threat. And then what I Howard Marshall says, we cannot and must not obey orders to give up our essential and central activity, that is, to bear witness to our risen Lord, and we must be prepared to pay the price or, or of our refusal to keep quiet. To close out with the story of those believers in Central Asia. Here it is. So, I asked us, what would we say on those videotapes? One by one, those Central Asian believers just weeks ago took their stand in front of the camera and gave their information. They shared their stories of how they came to faith in Christ. They declared the reason they dared assemble together in Jesus' name. After 15 members bravely made their declarations on camera, the commander had heard enough. He ordered the men to stop the recording. He gave permission for the people to leave. But before they did so, Pastor Ann asked the police commander if he could pray with his people. What a shepherd. If he could pray with his people before they hauled him off to jail, his flock all gathered on the floor as those menacing policemen hovered and loomed over them. They recorded uh, again to get more incriminating evidence on film. The pastor and church members in the house started praying for the police who came to persecute them <laughs> that fearless shepherd prayed that the Lord Jesus would bless those police and their families would extend his grace to them and bring them under the authority and mercy of his name and his kingdom the police did let the people go but they are not finished with the pastor and some church members as of this writing they, come in to, they continue to in- interrogate him after the Easter raid some members have lost their jobs others are in jeopardy Pray they find strength in Jesus' name to overcome in this intense pressure. Pray that we find boldness and strength, too. Let us stand and sing with gusto about the beautiful, wonderful, powerful name of Jesus. Let's stand.